From the University of Notre Dame, this is With a Side of Knowledge. I'm your host, Ted Fox. The idea behind this show is pretty simple. A university campus is a destination for all kinds of interesting people, representing all kinds of research specialties and fields of expertise. So why not invite some of these folks out to brunch? Yes, I said brunch, where we'll have an informal conversation about their work, and then I'll turn those brunches into a podcast. It's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. With the Side of Knowledge is supported by Soren's Restaurant inside Notre Dame's Morris Inn, which serves breakfast and lunch seven days a week and dinner Tuesday through Saturday. If you see us recording, feel free to stop by and say hi, preferably not when we're chewing. Luciano Castillo holds an endowed chair at Purdue University, where he is Kenninger Professor of Renewable Energy and Power Systems. He is also leading a consortium of some 30 scientists, researchers, and engineers from across the country that has proposed an extensive energy and water-producing industrial corridor along the United States-Mexico border. Like my last guest, Rachel Kite, Luciano was an invited speaker at the second annual ND Energy Research Symposium that took place in March. Except that in his case, I didn't have the chance to talk with him while he was at Notre Dame. Normally, that would have been that as far as this podcast is concerned. However, his team's proposal for the border caught our attention both because of its scope and innovative nature, and because two of our own faculty members from Notre Dame's College of Engineering, Ken Christensen and Joe Fernando, are members of the consortium. So we did something a little out of the ordinary, at least for us. We went to another university's campus to interview one of their faculty members. And I have to say, it was well worth the trip. And not just because I discovered the cafe in the Purdue Research Park makes a mean breakfast sandwich. Luciano Castillo, welcome to With a Side of Knowledge. Thank you for having me down to Purdue today. Thank you, Ted. I really appreciate it that you took the time to drive early this morning to, to the beautiful West Lafayette. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And not for a football game. To talk, to talk about science and research and renewable energy. So it's good stuff. I came across the proposal we're going to talk about today because two Notre Dame faculty members from our College of Engineering, they're part of the consortium working on it with you. And frankly, I was so struck by the whole thing that hopping in the car to drive to Purdue was a no-brainer for me. So it's a proposal for something you call the Future Energy Water Industry and Education Park. What's your executive summary, your quick pitch of, of what that would be? Basically, what in a simple way, what we're proposing is to convert a wall into the biggest innovation energy corridor that ever existed. So this is an energy corridor along the nearly 2,000 miles border with U.S. and Mexico. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, right, when you look this in a, in a different perspective, you could see that a lot of migration that is taking place along the border is because people lack op- opportunities mm-hmm. in their own countries. In many cases, many people are escaping uh, violence, right? Mm-hmm. So what we said is, hey, let's take this semi-arid region, let's take this desert, this region, and even grow it even more by creating the biggest opportunity corridor ever built along any border in mm-hmm. the world. And this is where the energy comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, right, this is what I call it, the energy corridor. We have, it's a desert, which means you have a lot of sun striking on you. 
And some areas, actually in California and Texas, you have exceptional wind resources. And the other important thing, if you think about Texas and New Mexico, well, guess what? You also have natural gas, but you don't have water. Right. But you have it in the Gulf. You have some brackish water mm-hmm. along the aquifers, but you also have it in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about if you use wind energy to desalinate that water, you build this mega super pipe, transport that along the entire border, so now you could transport natural gas, mm-hmm. you could transport fresh water, mm-hmm. you could transport beautiful electrons produced from solar and wind, which now you could convert desert into prosperous regions. Mm-hmm. Now, Thinking in, in a bigger perspective, where people will just go there, not only in the development phase, right. because right, the construction, this will be one of the more massive mega projects ever did since we did the, the railroads or the highways in the United States, but at the same time, the opportunities to create startups, companies along that region. Think in a different way. Mm-hmm. Hey, now you have a plant, but you have water. You could grow new crops. Right. You could develop a new economy even more than what we have right now along the border, mm-hmm. which means that by creating opportunities, you mitigate mass migration. Right, because there's less of an incentive then to say, okay, I, I need to cross a border to find opportunity because there's, op- there's a lot more opportunity right here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not only for the people coming from the Mexico border. Right. There are a lot of opportunity for us here in the U.S., in terms of new jobs, engineering, new jobs in research, new economy that will grow. Even think about this. I mm-hmm. was even talking to my brother about this. <laughs> Imagine the tourism. Mm-hmm. Think about it. I mean, a lot of people go to China to see the Great Wall. Right. Imagine people coming to U.S. to see the energy corridor mm-hmm. that was built, mm-hmm. just to see the tourism. Mm-hmm. Right. Imagine even having hotels mm-hmm. in those regions because people want to see who came up with this creativity and right. this consortium. I mean, and this is what we were able to do, but more importantly, we hope that the, the government take this seriously and see, hey, we could do better than what we're proposing. I think we could help create new ways for others to live better mm-hmm. and for us to live better. Mm-hmm. So, well, And you talk about in the white paper proposing this, and I, I think it's a really instructive way to think about it is one of the things that has been talked about a lot in this country the last couple of years is this idea of a, a border wall and how something like that, it's a passive physical barrier. It's not doing anything other than standing there, basically. And you, you talked a little bit about it here, so I'm just wondering if you could expand a little bit on what would be the different components of of the things we would be seeing built along the border in your proposal. You talked a little bit about the wind and solar, but what would it actually look like in terms of what was being built along the border? Yeah. This border situation of with mass migration is not unique to the United States and Mexico. This is happening all around the world. Europeans are facing this at a very alarming scale. And and if when you look at those inert walls that are created of these fences, you actually enhancing the rhetoric of us versus them. Mm -hmm. So you're alienating people. However, when you create this infrastructure, well, well, the the first part you have to see is not us versus them. In fact, I want to tell you this, that because you have water and you have energy, especially water, that means Mexico 
will be a key partner in this project. So the first part is that we avoid this us versus them by creating a, a partnership where both parties could, could benefit. Now, you, obviously, every time you have a, a, a massive infrastructure, this is you can have big power lines of elect- electricity. You have gas. You have water. That has to be protected, not only from from people that could destroy this, but also from wild wildlife. Right. Mm-hmm. So these have to be contained. So mm-hmm. you have to build a technological barrier mm-hmm. to protect that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I wanted to stress with this is not that. You know, you, you're creating a barrier to, to, to alienate people. What we are actually doing is creating the favorable play, playground mm-hmm. where both parties could come and work. In other words, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Let's say that people in Mexico could come to the U.S. side during the day to work on agriculture or to work on some manufacturing and go to the way around, mm-hmm. go back to Mexico at night with their families. Same with the U.S., mm-hmm. right? We could go to the side of Mexico, work on on energy projects mm-hmm. or new companies and at night go back to the place. So from the perspective that we're talking about, it's an infrastructure that you, you would have barriers mm-hmm. because you have to contain and you have to add security to protect that infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? We have to. I mean, you could see it every time you have power lines. You mm-hmm. have to find a way to protect this, except these power lines will be basically in, in on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you have to have that. You have the, the, the drones, which mm-hmm. add the security to protect that. So the enhancement of security provide the need to, to deal with some of the issues that are being discussed. But more importantly, it allows the access to the energy, the access to water, mm-hmm. allows now the proper means for opportunities to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I, I read in your proposal is that part of what makes this region of the world such a prime candidate for a project like this is in certain parts of it the potential for wind energy is as good as you're going to find anywhere and in other parts the solar irradiation is among the best in the world is that is that true in terms of why this is just such a setting aside all the you know, sociological and political concerns, it seems like it's a really good, just natural environment for wind and solar in particular. Exactly. And, and Ted, this is a perfect point. Actually, we did our analysis and resource evaluation. And actually, we could map out the entire border state. And based on correlations, so actually, we could determine what are the regions. And as you pointed out, you have wind, you have sun, and, and you also have natural gas. But also, you have you don't have water, mm-hmm. and water is the next is is the biggest one of the biggest grand challenge faced in the United States and around the world. And and by us creating this infrastructure that will allow us to have fresh water in this region, you're actually looking at a future problem right now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So so this is the idea, and and this is the clever part. the The strength of the region could couple with our weakness. Mm-hmm. which is the, right. the lack of water, to blossom mm-hmm. the desert. In other words, think about converting a desert into a beautiful oasis mm-hmm. where now you have water, you have energy, you could develop agriculture, you could even have institutes. Mm-hmm. Imagine having institutes for workforce development mm-hmm. for both sides of the region mm-hmm. where people could go there to receive advanced training in different set of skills. Mm-hmm. They could do that. They could also acclimate with the new culture mm-hmm. in both sides. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we could do development on new technologies that could be tested mm-hmm. in that region. So 
this energy and water is actually enabling us to create the largest technological park ever been in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and that is basically around opportunities. Right. Well, I, I know you point out that. I mean, not only in people, anyone listening to this from the western part of the United States, the water issue is not just an issue for Mexico. It's Texas, it's New Mexico, it's Arizona, it's California that are facing these drought conditions. And I, I think, if I understood it right, par- part of the infrastructure that this proposal is talking about is literally desalination, desalinization plants that you could bring in salt water or brackish water or whatever and turn it into the water that these regions, frankly, they just don't have. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. As climate change continues to get more severe, that means there would be regions where drought regions are going to expand and grow, meaning that they would have less and less water. And there would be other regions, coastal regions, that we're going to meet, lose those coastal regions. And the question is, where people are going to go? If we're talking about the problem of mass migration around the world, when we face with more severe weather conditions, this level is likely to increase. However, by looking ahead and planning and creating a very unique infrastructure that brings water and energy, mm-hmm. you're going to prosper the region. And at the very least, you're going to enable both countries to cooperate in a mutual, friendly way mm-hmm. that will enhance our, both of our economy, mm-hmm. which is the benefit of this. What do you anticipate in terms of, and I'm not asking you to be an economist here, <laughs> this is just more, just kind of at the 50,000-foot level, but the jobs impact of a project like this, there's kind of two parts to that. There's the construction phase, because things need to be built, but then long-term, you're envisioning not only that there would be, say, solar panels along the border, but that actually with this kind of technology park, this huge economic development zone, that businesses would actually be locating there or, you know, technology companies would be actually locating there. So when you're thinking about this in terms of of jobs, what do you see in, in general terms of the potential there? Yeah. The, the job creation is going to be tremendous. Actually, when you look at, uh, for example... You look at, you compare natural gas, coal, and uh, nuclear. Those three sources of energy produce about 84% of electricity generation mm-hmm. in the U.S. When you compare with renewable, wind and solar, you create about 24 jobs per one of those three technologies combined. Oh, wow. So what you're talking about is a magnitude, a massive amount of jobs creation, in not only the construction of, of this infrastructure, but also post the creation. Mm-hmm. So this is the great, one of the greatest opportunity to create our jobs in the United States. Mm-hmm. So the, the level 10, we're working on all of these numbers because we, right, you, you have the jobs generation from the renewable energy, you have the jobs generation from the construction of these mega pipes, mm-hmm. but also you have it from the other perspective of the water desalination plant. So there, there's a lot of opportunities along all of these sectors mm-hmm. to create a significant amount of jobs that could not be compared to, to traditional fuel. Mm-hmm. So this is a, one of the biggest benefits. At the same time, not only you could see that in the construction phase, but think about in the analysis, the engineering, and post that maintenance part. Something that I wanted to stress, Ted, is the, the job generation is, is, is significant in this project. But the other aspect that I want you to look is this. 
when you build a, a solid infrastructure, right, uh, in earth wall, over time, you have the construction, right, that will decay. And then you have to continue paying for that, the maintenance. Right, so, so whatever numbers we're talking about the construction of, of that fence or that wall is, is something that is, is going to be invested. When you're investing in this energy corridor project, what we're actually doing is some sort of a loan. Both countries or United States are going to invest this from the private sector, public sector, sector. You could see this construction, but over time, because of the economic generation in terms of the jobs that is going to create it, the new businesses that are going to grow. We even envision hotels around mm-hmm. this this mm-hmm. region, uh, the tourism to grow, manufacturing, startups. That will generate taxes and, and I revenue. I was going to say, the t- yeah, the tax revenue, yeah. Exactly. And that basically paid the project over time. Mm-hmm. So think about this. We're mitigating climate change, right? Because we, we're going to be solving one of the major problems, the uh, grand challenges of water. We're also looking at energy, and one of the largest number of the trading between U.S. and Mexico is on energy. This is going to be a boost to that, but also you're going to be looking job generation. Mm-hmm. And more than that, all of that combined is going to lead a tremendous economic growth to that zone. Mm-hmm. So we believe that this could easily be a trillion dollar, over a trillion dollar economy in that trading region. Right now it's about $612 billion mm-hmm. a year, but I think this could even grow, could even easily double mm-hmm. with that generation of projects. It's contributing, it's not just a, as important as it is, I think, to say something that can contribute to maybe mitigating the us versus them idea. It's contributing in very real terms to the economic health, and as you said, contributing in very real terms to alleviating this pending water crisis there. Exactly. And, And this is well said, Ted. One aspect our grid is old, right? United States have a very old grid. Mm-hmm. This opportunity to invest on infrastructure is only going to grow the economy. So look at this. You're going to generate a lot of opportunities during the construction phase, mm-hmm. right? You have that construction phase. After that construction phase, you're going to have the economic development, which is where new companies are going to be created. But by means of this Institute for Workforce Development, mm-hmm. allows for the new generation of startups, manufacturing, agriculture. Mm-hmm. So even though you, you, you will have this phase of job massive at that level, and then a phase two from the businesses created, that's going to grow even mm-hmm. further, which makes a zone sustainable mm-hmm. over long periods. Mm-hmm. Now, the part that I'm very excited is that I believe that United States and Mexico, in this cooperation of this project, will set the examples for other countries to follow. Mm-hmm. Rather than, as you pointed out, creating more Oscar system, mm-hmm. it's going to create, let us work together. Mm-hmm. And the more we do this in that fashion, the more economic growth will happen al- along the world in mm-hmm. different countries. Which means that because of the mass migration, the lack of opportunity, we will be dealing with this. The security enhancement to this is going to also address the other aspect of all of this. In the end, you have investment, you have opportunity growth, and a major benefit for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think the United States has been a leader in many areas. I think we could do it this time. And with the help of Mexico, I believe this would be a tremendous success. And think about it. Engaging university, engaging our smart young students on these projects. And this is something that will engage everybody, mm-hmm. right? Because we, li- we need social scientists. 
We need engineers. We need political people. You need economies, mm -hmm. right? Environmentalists. There's a big group of, of experts that are needed to make this a success. And these worries make it very inclusive from the construction, from the design phase, all the way to its success. Mm -hmm. So think about it, converting that desert and having uh, pools, Right, having swimming well, pools. There was the one, there was the one line in the white paper about <laughs> that I love that was making the desert bloom because you're yeah. actually talking about. I mean, it's all the things that kind of spin out from bringing water to a region that has had a lack of it, where it's not just drinking water, but you can envision actual where there is currently desert being agricultural land, yeah. and so and it's it's interesting because it, it seems like the potential is for such a wide array of jobs. There's construction right. jobs, there's agricultural jobs, and then there's more tech kind of engineering kind of jobs. Exactly. And, and look at uh, the future of irrigation. Mm -hmm. We could look, be looking at new technologies where you could bring artificial intelligence mm -hmm. in the way we use water for the, to maximize the growth, the crops, the growth of the crops. So, so this is a great, the greatest opportunity, and this is why we believe that creating these institutes in there, we could develop and test new technologies that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. New ways of enhancing solar energy or wind energy for that matter. And transmission, right? How we improve that. And the water desalination. I mean, some of my colleagues are working on new technologies that could potentially reduce by 30% the, the need for water the desalination, mm -hmm. the energy requirement. So there are a lot of very exciting things and I tell you this that every day we receive a lot of emails from people people are really enthusiastic because I think people are driving down to Purdue to interview yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> yes and I'm glad that, that, that people are doing that and that you're doing it but I'm hoping that that, that what, what you see out of this is that people need a big vision this country is need finally a big vision where everybody could rally around something big And, and this project, actually, one of my colleagues, Jay Gore, he calls this equivalent to the construction of the Panama Canal, mm -hmm. right? And, and I think that look at all the revenues, all the opportunities that that canal created for mm -hmm. the trading. And we believe the same thing could happen mm -hmm. here. At the end of the day, everybody in this world wants a better quality of life, and everybody wants a piece of the pie, yeah. right? But it starts with energy. Everything starts with energy, access to energy. And by creating this opportunity and bringing water to the desert, this, this is, we, we're going to grow this. I mean, this could grow tremendously. Mexico have similar challenges in, this, in their border as well. Mm -hmm. So they could duplicate this in their other border as well with mm -hmm. other countries in Guatemala. And that means we could even grow Central America. Mm -hmm. And then you could grow opportunities in South America And these things could be duplicated in Europe mm -hmm. and across the world. And I believe the United States, as, as a world leader, could do this. Yeah. One thing you mentioned there, and I'm just going to ask you to expand on it a little bit, because I think someone listening to this could hear your enthusiasm, the way I'm hearing your enthusiasm, and it's awesome. And they might Thank the, you. the cynic might say, yeah, but okay, it, it, it's so big. How could we ever do something like that? And you made that reference, and it, it came up in the white paper to the Panama Canal. There was also the comparison to the St. Lawrence Seaway. And these are things, one happened 50, 60 years ago, one was over 100 years ago now. And I know, I think sometimes we might look at 
the length of the U.S.-Mexico border, and it seems imposing because it's almost 2,000 miles long. But what what similarities to those massive projects from our past when, frankly, our technology was, I don't, it was minuscule compared to what we have today. What similarities about those projects give you confidence in our ability to do something on, on this kind of scale now of what you're proposing? Look, when, this is a good, good point, Ted, and I'm very glad that you're asking that question. We went to the moon. We didn't have the computer. In fact, our phone has more computer power than what we had before, yep. right? And we achieved that. We had done great, tremendous advances in many technologies, even in artificial intelligence. We're talking about advances that, that we never thought about it. In those days, think about it, the energy. John D. Rockefeller and, and the, in the railroad, those massive challenges. How are you going to find where the oil are, the petroleum? And how are you going to transport all of that, which was done in, in, in the trains, right? Mm-hmm. In wagons. They were transported <laughs> like that. Well, he built pipelines. Yeah. And look at the economy that was mm-hmm. created around oil right. and has been, and it is created and, and has taken us until today. Mm-hmm. So, so those challenges that they had without the type of technology we have right now, the advances in, in, in energy, the advances in energy storage. Let me tell you now that we're talking about challenges. One of the challenges is energy storage, right? Sometimes you don't have sun. Sometimes you don't have wind. Well, that's what people normally complain about (laughs) renewable, right? Solar and wind. When you get up in the east coast, in the east of Texas, where do you have a time difference that people, two hours, three hours, people are sleeping in California? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of that energy that is created in in the west side could be actually transmitted to supply the energy mm-hmm. in the east side. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, two hours later, the people in the Pacific wake up. Well, you could meet the energy demands by doing that. Mm-hmm. We could play with the time zones to meet the demands and actually make this project even more sustainable. Mm-hmm. So this is where, where things get excited. But I do believe that if there is commitment to actually create opportunity for us in the United States, for others in, in other parts of the country, Mexico... And, and Central America, we could do this project. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the technologies is known with energy. There are some challenges. I'm not going to deny that. But, but we could overcome that. And this is one of the beauty of having in this consortium, we have one, some of the best scientists and engineers of this country mm-hmm. at the best universities. And we have a broad level of expertise to attack many of these challenges. And this is the part that I'm very excited to work with, with my colleagues because... Mm-hmm. They one, they always bring different perspective. Two, they keep me ground on, on the things that we must <laughs> we must do every every day, every week. And our goal one, the first one is that we help change the, the, the conversation, mm-hmm. and then that we could actually create an opportunity corridor based on energy for the prosperity of of our people, of our friends in Mexico mm-hmm. and Central America. Because if they grow, we grow. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Our growth yeah. here is the growth for Mexico for the rest. And if we create this blossom, we blossom the desert. We're going to blossom. Everybody's going to yeah. blossom. That's right. And that's the way we see it. So the challenges, they are challenges, and, but we have the broad expertise in different regions to attack those problems. Many of those technologies already exist. So this is more of an engineering planning mm-hmm. in many ways. We have shown where it makes more sense to put wind, where it makes more sense to put solar, concentrated solar. We did a lot of these studies that minimize the use of water. 
this is the key to do this in a way not only that you bring the energy but that you minimize the use of water and by doing that we 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 provide the opportunity for long-term challenges and ted i know you have small kids what we were talking <laughs> earlier yeah. about that we don't want to leave a mess to our kids right and your kid kids and my kids i have young kids as well i think this it is time we do something that is better for the their generation not necessarily for our generation but better for their generation think about the landowners they had basically no value in some of those regions now they could collect rental from their wind generation from their solar generation mm-hmm. they're going to land land yeah. rent it right? right they're going to blossom too mm-hmm. right in both sides this is a win-win in every single way you could see it if you build a wall a concrete wall well i'm sure they're gonna have to buy out i don't right, right? but when you're renting this for an energy sector even the commercial value mm-hmm. when companies start setting their shop there guess what they will win the revenue will will go back to a lot of the people the land is going to increase in value. Mm-hmm. I mean, I call it the oasis. This is going to be an oasis because everybody's going to win. In fact, we could even go and play golf. I don't play golf. But you could go My father-in-law would be very excited. He, would do, yeah. right? he could go to the border. And actually, when I was telling you earlier about this concept, I mean, people, a lot of the tourism, and I don't know how much is that in China, but a lot of people want to go and see the, the Great Wall. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of high level of tourism going to see our energy project, our energy corridor in this border. I think this is going to be exciting. And and imagine casinos. You could play golf. I do go to casinos. Yes. <laughs> I'm not a good golfer, but I, I'm not a good gambler either, but I do like casinos. But you could go and play in the casino, right? That's in right. Area. You could That's pick right. a spot. That's you could right. pick a That's spot. Right. And, and this is what we think that everybody's going to benefit it, you know? And, and that's why renewable energy is 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 is, is, is going to be a benefit. Right. And, and of course, I'm not excluding the opportunity to bring in the natural gas. Because when you, I mean, you, you have a lot of resources mm-hmm. in both sides, in the, in, in the Texas region and in New Mexico, right? But you could leverage that to now create more of a consistent energy supply also by integrating with the renewable. Mm-hmm. And they, there's a lot of expertise that the people in, in, in oil and gas have that could bring to this table. Mm-hmm. So the way we see this is that not when you look at this from US and Mexico, it's not us versus them. When you look at renewable energy and natural gas, it's not us versus them. It's let us work together, let us use the lessons learned from those technology to bring it together to then make something even better than what we what we existed. Mm-hmm. It is in the distribution, the access to multiple sources of energy that makes the economy grow mm-hmm. in, in this regard to, to having energy security, right? So we have energy security, you could create water security, mm-hmm. and an economic growth. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I'm hoping that... that, that <laughs> well, so that's what I was going to... I mean, as, as we wrap up here, we're, uh, we're having yes. coffee. We had a delicious yes. breakfast sandwich on a, on a Monday morning here at the Purdue Research Foundation. What is, what is next for you on this project? When you walk away from here, what are you... I know you talk about at the, like the baseline goal is changing the conversation, but what are you working on with this right now? What are your next steps? One of the things we're doing right now, we're working with the Purdue Foundation to create uh, uh, the consortium, formally create a non-profit consortium with all of this team that we, we have created. We're going to Arizona, our steering committee. We're meeting with our 
uh, Professor uh, Ronald Adrian and our team from the Border State, where we're going to lay out all of the different plans of execution that we're going to do. We're also developing more analysis. We're doing in-depth analysis of, of the where we're going to put and how much energy for all of these areas is going to be deployed. So we're working on all of these areas. So one is the, the formation of, of the consortium as a not-for-profit because, you know, we need to feed this machine. We need to create the, the workforce. We need to, to do all the analysis that is needed, a lot of the experiment, and even deploy prototypes. We would like to deploy a prototype in the border mm -hmm. to demonstrate how we could use renewable energy together with, to do water desalination and, and demonstrate part of that. So we would like to do that. We would like to create the institute. So there are various stages. But among these stages, and one of the things we're excited, we're partnering with a group in uh, an investment firm in Canada and other groups in New York City. So... A lot of things are happening, mm -hmm. and, and I don't want to tell you everything, <laughs> no, <that's> but <laughs> I'm hoping that, that you do another interview, and yeah. by the time you do the next one, you will see a significant growth. I hope that with the attention that things like this and mm -hmm. this podcast could help us actually get the attention of the politician, that we get the resources mm -hmm. that is needed to, to, to grow the details of, of the project that is needed to the next phase. But overall, I'm very excited. I'm very lucky to work with extremely brilliant colleagues, not only at Purdue, but within this consortium. Notre Dame mm -hmm. is one of them, Arizona State, UC San Diego, Stanford, Caltech. I mean, we have groups, Texas Tech, we have, for example, mm -hmm. Texas Tech, Texas A&M. So we have groups that are very, very eager to work, and that's what we're doing. Putting the whole team together, lay the path for us to deploy a, a, a first-stage prototype and demonstrate the feasibility of these projects and the benefits. At the same time, we're bringing more partners from Mexico. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things we need to do. We need to bring more people from universities in Mexico, from investment firms, which one of the groups is from there, from Mexico. So we're very excited about all the things that we're doing. At the same time, establishing the role within our group, so that way we could speed up everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are a lot of group things happening. It's a lot to do. And, it is uh, a lot. Yes, yes, it's a lot, actually. I'm very overwhelmed, but <laughs> I'm very excited. I cannot even sleep, Ted. Well, Luciano Castillo, thank you for, for joining me on with the side of knowledge to talk about it. Thank you, Ted. It was an honor, and I'm looking forward to, to share with you the outcome of yes. all of this work. We'll come back and do it again. We'll yes. yes. <laughs> no, you will not come to Purdue. We will do it at the border when we see one of the projects. I love it. Yes, right? That's, that, that's a, a promise to each other. I love it. <laughs> thank you, Ted. With the Side of Knowledge is a production of the Office of the Provost at the University of Notre Dame with support from Soren's Restaurant. Our website is provost.nd.edu slash podcast.